The following audio is from the chapel at Fishhawk. More information about the chapel at Fishhawk is available at www.thechapelfh.org. I remember the first time that God asked me to do something that I thought was, uh, was crazy. There was a time where I would do the things that God would tell me to do so far as they didn't stretch me further than I wanted to be stretched. And I don't know if you've ever had this moment where you're walking somewhere and there's the whisper in your mind and heart and you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that it's God because it's the thing that he's asking you to do is it's good, it's loving, it's true, it's pure. But it's weird when you're walking through a target and you see a boy in a wheelchair and God says, go pray for him. It's it's terrifying. And it's terrifying because pride, because what if I pray for this person and they don't get up out of the wheelchair? What if I go to ask to pray for this person and the parents are mad at me? Um, And that was terrifying the first time because it's a miracle. We, We understand that miracles are rare, which is why we call them miracles. Today we're talking about evangelism, but really we're talking about miracles because there was this desperation the first time that God asked me to pray for a miracle that I had. I wanted so bad for God to show up that I prayed with all that was in me, and I didn't realize till the prayer was over that I think I was praying hard because I wanted to not let them down, and it was about me, not about him, or not about the boy. This has repeated itself a number of times, and today, even though the overarching umbrella is evangelism, how to share your faith. It is one of the least favorite topics of church-going people. I need us to understand, and this will help many of you. So if, if you grew up in the church and you've always thought like there's something weird about the way Pastor Ryan does church and doesn't do certain things, this message will help make sense of why I run from big events and why I, I run from the big show and the glamour, why I, I intentionally um, tried to get rid of the smoke machine and I sold spotlights that we had because I wanted this to be about Jesus, this will make sense. So we're going to read a very, very, very familiar passage. Are you guys ready? This is Matthew chapter 28. It'll be up on the board behind me. Just a couple verses, verse 18 to the end. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Now, you might be thinking, what, what does that have to do with a miracle? This is the, what we're called to do. We're called, uh, Jesus has all authority. So this is after he has died and risen again. He gets all authority over everything, and now he gives us the great commission, go make disciples. We're not called to go and make converts. We're not called to go and, and just have a good time. We're not called just to go and love our neighbors. We're called to go make disciples, and the word for disciple really just means a learner. We are called to go make people who are learners, who are students, who are followers of Jesus. We do this by baptizing them into the name of the Father, Son, and Spirit. Baptism was a sign saying you have a new identity. You're part of a new family. You're born again. So we we get these learners. We show them their new identity. 
And then we teach them to observe all that Jesus had commanded. Now, this isn't observe what commonly followers of Jesus observe. This doesn't just mean don't gossip, don't murder, don't kill. This, this means observe all that Jesus commanded. Have no fear because God is with you. Cling on to God in the midst of the hard times because he is present always alongside of you. Now, what does this have to do with miracles? Um, so this, is, this might be the shortest sermon ever at the chapel, but, but here's what happens to me from time to time. Um, if you've been here for any length of time, you know that something's broken between my ears and I go to cemeteries. And I was, um, I was at a cemetery this week and I go to cemeteries a lot of weeks because it reminds me that life is brief and we are all going to meet God soon. And one of my um, like sort of like underground teenage angst fears is like one day, what if God says, Ryan, speak to one of these dead people and tell them to get up. So, so I, I look at these gravestones, and, and let me just ask you, like, if, if God told you, if you were going to a cemetery, maybe you're going not because you're not weird like me, but you're going because somebody passed away that you knew, and God said, I want you to walk up to a grave, and I want you to say to whatever the person's name is, Robert McRobertson, I hope there's no one named that here, um, get up out the grave. Like, would you look around first? Would you... Would you like whisper it if there were people nearby? Or, or better yet, let me ask you this question. If you could bring one wingman with you, if you could bring one wingman, you're like, okay, God's going to ask me to raise someone literally from the dead, out of the box, digging through three feet of soil. God's going to give me one person. Who are you bringing with you? You're, you're bringing, hopefully, Jesus, you're bringing him with you in here. But I mean, like looking around, like, are you going to bring your husband or wife? Like, are they that person? Where you think, I need someone with faith. Here's what you're, here's who you're not going to bring with you. You're not going to be like, you know who I really need to raise someone from the dead? I need Ed Sheeran. Because that guy slays on the guitar and the vocals. We're not going to do that, right? I don't, I don't think so. I don't think you're going to say, I want the best public speaker, and I'm going to bring them with me, and they're just going to speak over this grave, and the person will come out. It's... um. I mean, this phenomenon has happened to me so often where I'm just thinking about this. For me, it started at a camp uh, 20 years ago now where a speaker was, who was likewise obsessed with thinking about mortality. Um, his name is Francis, and he, he kept just driving this home, just driving it home. What if, what if you had to bring someone back to life? How would you do it? And, um, and it, drinking milkshakes at a Christian camp, I finally just said, dude, I'm not bringing you. I'm not bringing your college guy. I'm just going gonna, gonna to go find the most faithful human I know, probably like the janitor at this Christian camp because they just serve and love Jesus. I want to bring the person that's so connected to Jesus that talking to a dead person for them is just the same as talking to a live person for us. And we laughed. But then I thought about evangelism this week. Because this sermon series for this month is Savvy Faith, how to share your faith, how to be intelligent about sharing your faith. But there's something we're missing in the church because every day when I'm scrolling on Instagram, when I'm scrolling on Facebook, when I'm going through the news, there, I get bombarded, just like you get bombarded with all of the ads in our lives, right? Isn't it creepy now that literally if you have a 
package. You can call someone and complain that your washer is broken, and there's an algorithm that will read your voice, send it to your internet service provider. You'll be on Facebook, and there'll be an ad for a new washer right there. I mean, that is creepy. It, it, it's so terrifying. But, but in the midst of this world that we live in, in the midst of all of this amazing technology and connection, I think we've missed something. We've missed the simple truth that every time someone comes to Jesus, they are passing from death to life. God is present and watching more than Google is present or watching. He knows our needs before we know them. He knows our dreams before we know them. He knows our fears as they start as seeds within us. He knows those who are coming closer to the family because it is him that is drawing them near. But if we don't understand that the Bible uses some words for people who are not yet followers of Jesus, it's words like this, deaf, blind, and even dead. My fear is that as I'm seeing all these links on Facebook that say, how to grow your church, how to get 367 visitors this weekend, how to make sure that your kids' program is amazing, get the best youth program. My fear in all of this is that we're manufacturing life, and it's not real life. We're not begging God for the miracle that is salvation. I was dead, and now I'm alive. I was blind, but now I see. There's a reason why when I talk to people who come to know Jesus, they have a very um, different outlook on the Bible than they did before they became a follower of Jesus. There are people that say, I, I went to church my whole life, I heard the Bible my whole life, but all of a sudden, now I see. Has anyone had one of those changes? I've had those. I, I went, I was dragged to a youth group a few times before but it was all about how good I was or how bad I was. It wasn't about how amazing Jesus was for me. And I remember clear as day the moment where all of a sudden it made sense. The penny dropped from my head to my heart. This is what evangelism is. It's the desperate need for God to come into somebody's life to change them. Like he did for me and for you if you're a follower of Jesus. I've, I've been desperate a number of times in my life. In 2010, uh, my mom told me um, that she was diagnosed with cancer. And I remember, um, so there's three of us boys, and if I'm being honest, I'm probably like the most effeminate of my brothers. Um, I'm the crier. I, I can, I'm very emotional. Like every time Mufasa dies, game over for me. I saw The Greatest Showman this week. It was through a lens of literally my tears just gobbling up my eyes. I mean, it's me. And, and I'm my mom said, uh, she didn't tell me for a couple weeks because I was, I was in the middle of just starting a new church plant that I was, I was trying to start. And then she told me, and uh, she'd already told everyone else because she knew, like, Ryan's going to handle this the worst. And she said, sweetheart, I've got cancer. And I just shut down. And I opened my Bible, and I just started literally copying my Bible. Like, I went to the Psalms, and I just started copying them down. I couldn't think of my own thoughts but I was desperate, desperate for my mom to be healed. Desperate, more desperate than I think I've ever been for anything in my life. So as I was writing and just tears were falling in my journal, all that was going on in my head was, God, just no. 
No. A week ago, one of my friends here uh, had a hospital scare. I got, a, I got uh, the, the husband talked to me and said, I took my wife to the hospital, chest pains, arm went numb, one of my favorite people here, and I, um, and I drove from here to the hospital. Um, the, Amy's doctor said, don't go to the hospital to visit people because your wife is pregnant and there's flu. So I haven't been going, but I went, and um, on my way there, I just the only prayer that I prayed was, please, God, no, please, please, God, let this person not have Whatever is going on in their heart, in their arm, like whatever that is, God, let it not be a heart thing. Let it not be a death thing right now. I was desperate. When I first became a follower of Jesus, I asked the pastor, what do I do next? And they said, pray for all the people in your life that don't know Jesus. And, and it was a very, you know, big, uh, why? Because if you don't, they'll be in hell. Apart from God, eternal torment forever. That got me praying desperate, desperate prayers. We've turned evangelism into this weird game. And it's not that these things are bad, and it's not that I don't, you know, I think, I think Re and the band, they're amazing, but if I had to raise someone from the dead, I'm not like, come on guys, let's go play, come to the altar in the cemetery. It's not going to be, hey, uh, I got to raise someone from the dead, let's go get the pastor who tells jokes. That's me sometimes. It's not today as much. Because what am I going to do? Like, hey, have you ever felt down? Get on up. Yeah. <laughs> but we treat evangelism like it's this thing. And it's not bad. The music's not bad. The preaching jokes, they're not bad. Guest speakers, they're not bad. Uh, actually, as a matter of fact, I get caught up in this myself. The high, some of the high school leaders say, hey, we're organizing this thing, this event for, for the next time that the middle school and high school are together. We're going to get the actor who played in the blind side to speak for the youth group at the chapel. And I was like, what? Like, you mean that big dude, like the Michael Orr actor guy? Yeah, he's in Tampa, loves Jesus, loves to share. Seriously? And then I was like fanboying out because I cried a ton in that movie. And, and I think they're coming here. March 28th, the day after my birthday, the big giant guy. Now part of me is like, yeah, yeah, now people are going to come to Jesus because a guy who played a guy in a movie with a girl about a football, he's got the power to raise death to life. Like when you say it out loud, we understand how ridiculous it is. But we do this over and over again. There are growth programs, growth hacks. And I am so, I mean, the guest services have been begging me for months. Can we please get a welcome package for the new visitors? And I'm going to do it because I cave in. But it's not, that alone is not, that's just a piece. And the only reason I'm doing that is so, because now I'm going to start giving out coffee cards to people. And I'm going to put a little note in there and say, hey, I want to take you to coffee. But even if you don't want to, just go drink coffee because it's good for you, maybe. But I just want to be there so I can pray. The 2018 mission of the chapel is fill every street with God's love. And the first thing in there has to be prayer because in our own wit, in our own emotional intelligence, intellectual capacities, we will not, we cannot bring dead people to life. I can convince most people that God is true 
and real if they want to have a sit-down conversation. If you're here and you're a skeptic and you want to bombard someone with questions that would love to do it, I would love to do it. We can sit down. I will sit down with you for hours. And you could say, okay, God is love. There's evil in the world. God is powerful. Explain that. That's why I don't believe in Jesus. We'll walk through that. You can say, okay, wait a second. Evolution, Bible, explain that. I'll sit down and explain that. We can sit down and ask, ask these questions. At the end of the day, we can answer all of the questions but if you're still dead, you're dead. Now, how do you know if you're alive? How do we, how do we even do this? I mean, the Bible is so cl- clear on this point. It's kind of crazy. In John 6, 63, it says, It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh, our body, our minds, this feeble physiology is of no help at all. It is the Spirit alone. John 15, Jesus talking to his disciples, he says, Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit. In this last part of verse 5, for apart from me, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. We've just turned evangelism into this game of, I've got to learn how to share the good news. And you do. It's good to know how to share the good news. It's good to say, this is why Jesus is good to me. This is what he's done for me. He took my sin and my anger and my depression and he nailed it to the cross and now I can walk freely. But only the Spirit gives life. Apart from Jesus, we cannot do anything in this Christian evangelism thing. Evangelism just means sharing the good news, talking about the goodness of Jesus with others. So how do we do it? I mean, there's a few ways. The Bible says that they will know you are my disciples by what? Sunday school kids, your love for one another. Jesus prayed even a deeper prayer. He said, Father, I pray that they are one as we are one. As the Father and Jesus are one, he wanted us to be that unified. Now that's terrifyingly unified. That is knowing about someone, knowing their dark marks, their scars, their bad habits, and saying, hey, I know you, you know me, I'm walking with you, you're walking with me. Now you might think, there's no way I'm going to be one with someone like Jesus and the Father are one. This is why God gave us uh, marriage. God wanted us to have a taste of that, a taste of what it would mean to be totally known yet totally accepted. Now, we don't all do super great on that, statistics tell us, but it's a, a taste. And there's a freedom when we can love each other so much that we can say, I am so mad at you right now, but I would never leave you because Jesus would never leave the Father. This is why it always boggles my mind when people leave a church family because I say something dumb. Like, A, I'm in my mid-30s. I'm having my first midlife crisis, which is why I bought an electric skateboard. But this means I'm bound to say dumb things. I've told you this and before, I'll tell you a hundred times, like every three to four years, I look back at my three to four year younger self and say, that guy was an idiot. But it's happened every three to four years. 
So I'm not dumb enough to think, you know what? This is the age where when I turn 40, I'm going to be like, that guy at 36 nailed it. And I've, I know some of you who are older than me. And I've watched some of you now for almost three years. And I judged you. I think <laughs> they're just like me. They're the same boat. They may not see it, but I see it. We need to have this understanding that we are a family committed in love to one another. So when someone says, I'm leaving the the chapel, and I say, why are you leaving? Well, you said this. Let's just put it in the context of what the Bible calls the, the familial love of God. So that means that If you're with a church family, and I don't mean like you just attend a church, because a lot of us, we're just attenders. I mean like you're in. Like someone here, if they go to the hospital, you're at the hospital. Someone here, if their kid gets the flu, you're not like, I can't go too close. You're like, no, I'm there with a bunch of syrup and medication. I'm just going to shoot Tylenol at you out of a super soaker. I'm here with you. Some of you need to be that type of family, and you're like, I don't have that, but I want that. Now, that doesn't just mean get in a small group. That means like you get your life up against somebody. That's family. And when you have that, and you get mad at me, or like, I, I don't like the style of music, or, or man, these chairs, or it's too hot, or it's too cold, or the kids program, whatever it is, I'm, just put that in the context of a house. Like, you're there, husband, let's say you got a husband, wife, let's say, uh, hypothetically, you got three kids and one on the way, okay? And, uh, and something goes on. Let's say, for example, um, people put the toilet paper rolls on the wrong way every time. Every stinking time. They don't know how to read a manual. And you got to switch it every time. Because somebody thinks that it should go over the back instead of over the front. We all know that's a sin. This is just a hypothetical. Now imagine if one day, hypothetically, I've just turned it around for the 300th time. Take it out, turn it around, drop the roll, rolls. I get mad. Ah, why do they do this? Ah, it goes over the front, over the front, over the front. And one day I said, that's it. I'm over these toilet paper bandits. I'm out. And I just leave the family. You'd be like, you'd be like, hypothetically, whoever that guy is, you're ridiculous. Just turn the toilet paper roll. It's ridiculous. You don't leave a family over that. So what do you leave a family over? Let's ask the real deep questions. Is it when, is it when uh, there's just abuse, verbal abuse, just you go home and, and you just get your legs chopped out from under you. Maybe it's a kid who's doing awful things and that kid says, you know what, I'm out of here. That, that happens. I did that. I ran away. But what does a family do? It doesn't mean that it's always peachy keen. But it means that you will always be there. For me, the most like extra, extra family thing that's happened since I've been at the chapel, I got so mad. I, I took a glass that I had, and I threw it down a street, and it shattered. It was my favorite glass. It shattered everywhere. But you know what I did right after that? I went back. And it's not because I'm great. It's not because I have this Bible knowledge. It's because God himself said, Ryan, you have blown it. I'm going to go to the cross for you, and I'm going to rise again for you, and then I'm going to put my spirit in you, and I'm going to bring you to life. And now, walk with the power of my spirit. Don't walk with the dead, stinking thinking. Walk with this new life I've given you. 
So when we get angry, it's we, we forget that the very presence of God is in us. Yahweh is in us. The fire is within us. We forget and we go and we throw things or we punch things or we yell or we chop down or we drive away. But we've got to ask God who gives us life to say, God, you've given me life to love one another. I can be there no matter what because you were there for me no matter what. And every person in this room can do that for someone else. Every person. And even if you're not yet a follower of Jesus, the offer is free for you. And you're saying, wait, if it's about me being dead and I need life, I don't know, what do I have to do with that? You have nothing to do with it. But when the gospel is preached, the Bible says that this amazing thing happens, that the Spirit of God goes out. I'm throwing seeds, and God's Spirit will cause life to spring up. Some of us need life for all of our soul because we've been walking zombies. Some of us have been zombie Christians forever, and all we do is we just attend and we, we turn to things that make us feel like we're connected with Jesus. But in John 15, it says, it's those who abide in Jesus. It's not podcasts. It's not how many sermons you can listen to. It's not how many books you can read. It's not about the the, the bands or the whatever. It's not about the shirts you wear, the bumper stickers you have. It's are you connected to Jesus? It's not going to happen because of how clever you are, because of some amazing philosophical argument. Those things aren't bad, but they cannot connect you and bring you into a, a relationship with Jesus. It is the Spirit of God who does that. It doesn't matter what kind of branding or fundraising we do. I mean, the, the amount of times that, that I'm bombarded with, do you want a new website? You need a, your church needs a new website. I'm like, I get it. We need a new website. Do you need a new brand? Do you need new colors? Do you need new... I'm like, look, what we need is a new revelation of the Spirit of God. We don't need... I don't care. The sign outside? I, I have zero graphic designing ability. If you look at it, it's one font. I chose a color arbitrarily because I had just moved from Los Angeles, so I chose the color Dodger Blue. I didn't look at it and say, is this going to cause calmness and welcoming to people? I don't care. Maybe that's bad of me to say. Maybe that's why I need executive pastors around me. What I care about is that if we're going to begin to actually fill every street, we understand that we, we are starting this journey in a cemetery. And the best thing you can do, the most important thing you can do beyond learning any tactic is desperate prayer for your family, your friends, and your neighbors who don't yet know Jesus. Desperate prayer. I mean, I'm okay with events. Like, you'll, I'll be at this first responders thing on March 3rd, and I'll be out there like, yeah! If we can get a dunk tank and throw some cops in there, I can get a bunch of people here. Yeah, I'll, I'll be here when that Michael Orr dude comes here, the, the actor who played him, mostly because he's like bigger than me, and I like feeling small. And I will fanboy out a little bit. I'm going to take a selfie with him, and I'm going to Photoshop Sandra Bullock's head on this side. <laughs> the Spirit can move through whom or through whatever he wants. 
but we know for sure he moves through our love for one another. We know for sure he moves through the preaching of the good news of Jesus. And if you don't know how, what that means, the worksheets are still on the back. There's a three stapled pages together called How to Share Your Jesus-Centered Story. And all it does is it walks you through the story of God and then asks you questions to learn how to tell your story, but with Jesus as the hero. Not one of those weird Christian testimonies where the people they let up on stage are the shiniest and the most spiritually fit. No, that's not the people that God wants to use. He wants to use the unqualified, underqualified, broken, and desperate people. So as we start this thing, this fill every street with the love of God thing, it has to start with prayer. And because sometimes I know I'm, I just get so caught up in illustrations and inspiring because people don't remember much of verbal communication anyways, I'm just going to ask you guys to do this. I'm going to give you two options. And you can totally ignore me, but that just means you will be judged later by Jesus for it. Maybe not. Maybe true, actually. There are verses about that. I want us to pick either 10 for 10 or 30 for 30. And here's what it is. Some of you, you got this done already. Because I've seen some of y'all's Fitbits. Some of you, I hear you talking in the lobby. You're like, I reached 27,000 steps today. I get this. So this is easy for you guys. Because I reach 20,000 steps in a month if I'm lucky. I want you to commit. If you've never done this, start with 10 for 10. For 10 days, I want you to be outside on your streets for 10 minutes. Just praying. Nothing else. Just praying. If, if you're like, I already walk for more than 10 minutes a day, then you're the 30 for 30. Like, overachiever, good on you. 30, 30 days. For 30, like, put it in your calendar before you leave this building. For 30 days, I'm going to walk and pray for 30 minutes every single day. And it's, you don't have to even know how to pray. You don't have to know where to start praying. I want you to walk your neighborhood. I'm going to walk my neighborhood for 30 days 30 minutes every single day without missing it. I don't care if there's lightning out there and I'm dodging it like a game of whack-a-mole for 30 days. And if you're like, I can't do that. I don't like lightning. If you're doing the God's work, he probably, he's in control of the lightning. So if he, he'll probably say, I'm going to miss you today. I'm just shooting lightning around you. Boom, boom, boom. And if he does hit you, then you probably deserved it. Okay. Um, for, for 30 days, 30 minutes, or for 10 days, 10 minutes, and just walk and pray. And pray for every neighbor you know by name, or if you're doing it at your workplace, walk through the hallways of cubicles like the creepiest person ever, just mumbling under your breath. And pray, God, I need your life to change me. They need your spirit to change them. And even if they're believers, we need more life in us. The reason we sin is because we've ignored the abundant life that God gives us, and we've turned back to our old ways, our dead ways. So we can all pray for everyone and all that I'm asking is it to make this thing happen. We just commit to this little teeny project. And, and some of you are thinking, I don't even know, I couldn't pray for 30 minutes. You can walk and just think about praying for 30 minutes. God will give you the words, I promise. You might fumble the first few days. You might fumble the whole 30 days. But nothing is going to change in this community, in your household, in your heart, in your workplace, without the Spirit of God coming down. And the Bible says that all we need to do is ask and beg and be desperate. When Jesus gave a story of prayer, he said, bug God and bug God and bug God until God answers. 
That's a new ghetto version of the uh, unrighteous judge and the widow that just pesters him. Just pester God. I give in to my own kids. I'm not supposed to give in when they ask for ice cream, but I do because they bug me. They just keep bugging me and biting me and hitting me. Ice cream, ice cream, ice cream. And I'm, I know it's a bad parenting move, but sometimes, you know, parents, some days you're just like, take the tub, go to your room. I'm good. You know, some days I'm a good parent, but some days I'm like, let's just, you know, visqueen the world and send the kids free. Pray. Ask God to come down. That's all this is today because there are dead people around and we need to see life. Let's pray. God, um, whew. I just want to see you move, Lord. I want, to, I want to be on the wave that you're creating. I don't want to create my own wave. I don't want to try to market the, this thing that we're doing. There's no shtick. There's no branding. It's God, it's you. It's got to be you. So I pray that, that if the people here, if they're choosing the 10 minutes for 10 days or the 30 minutes for 30 days, that they would strive for it. And if they miss a day, they would just get back up on the horse the next day. And that we would pray our guts out in desperation for you to bring life where there is death. Because all around us, God, it's so clean, it's so nice, it's so pretty, it's so shiny, but there's death all around us. There's dying marriages, there's dying family dynamics, there's dying vocations, there's dying dreams, there's dying souls, there's people that are going to be apart from you forever. We need you. God, we need you. Make us desperate in prayer till your spirit rains down grace and mercy in this place. In Jesus' name, amen.